morning. Open your Bible, if you will, to Romans chapter 1. And uh, we're kind of in the same spot, uh, but we'll be moving forward from here uh, next week into verses 18 through 32. We read that, but I wanted to read that for the context that it brings. Uh, and uh, I want us to see today and look at this thought that Paul puts down, speaking of the revelation of the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? And I want us to think about that today. Um, many questions flow from this text. One of the questions is, why do we need to be saved? This text answers that question for us. Why is it that we need to be saved? What is it that we need to be saved from? Many of us will answer that question, well, we need to be saved from our sin. This text tells us something else we need to be saved from. Because of our sin. Another question that flows out of this is, why is it essential that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Because that's what it says. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith into faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. What's being revealed here is the righteousness of God received and known by faith alone. That's what's going on in this text. From faith into faith. You're fixing to hear me say something that you may never hear again. I think the NIV gets this translation right. It says this, that the righteousness that's been revealed is a righteousness that is by faith, from faith, from first to last. That's a good understanding. From the beginning to the end, salvation and knowing the righteousness of God is only known by faith. As opposed to what? Works of the law. Works of the law do not, cannot, never have been able to save. They don't do it. You're not good enough. You've never been good enough. You're not going to be good enough. And if we're counting on our own righteousness to be found okay before God, you're going to be sorely disappointed. When I say sorely, I mean it's going to hurt. Because the wrath of God has been revealed. What is the righteousness of God here? There's three things that I believe that that is pointing to. First of all, we know that the righteousness is an attribute of God. God is right 
and God is just. Isn't that true? He is right and he is just. The word for righteous is the same word for justice, that which is right. And so God is right and God is just. He is the final standard of what is right. If you want to know what is right, look to the Word of God, because God has made known to us what is right and what is righteous. Now, being an attribute of God, we need to understand that this is a communicable attribute of God. And we're going to see that attribute brought to bear into us by means of the imputation of Christ's righteousness. Why is that? Well, the only righteousness that satisfies God is His own. Not yours, not mine, not anybody else's, and nobody else's standard. Only God's standard. We can't tell God, you know what, I see your standard, but can you give a little leeway? Because that's hard. I hate it when people tell me, well, it's hard. Everything's hard. It's okay. Secondly, what is the righteousness of God? God's activity in declaring those who believe in Him righteous. Just making a declaration righteous. You are righteous. Justified is the word, theological word that we use. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. A little bit. Our righteous status, this is the third thing, that results, what is the righteousness of God? A righteous status that results from God's justifying activity or us being justified. So as we look at this, I want us to think about what, why do we need to be saved? What are we being saved from? Why is it essential that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel? And my three points are this, to answer that, those questions. Because, the, because of the wrath of God. It's essential that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel because of the righteousness of God. That also answers the question, what do we need to be saved from? The wrath of God. That's what. Secondly, because of our unrighteousness. Because of our unrighteousness. It's essential that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Lastly, because God will only accept His righteousness. That's the three things. I hope you can follow me with that. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Why is that? Because in it, 
The righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Why does the gospel save those who believe? Because, I'm going to give you the answer up front. Because God provides his own righteousness in it. We don't have what we need to be saved. But what are we being saved from? Look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So the wrath of God is revealed against ungodliness and against suppression of of the truth. In other words, the wrath of God is apparent. There's much suppression of truth. We look here in Romans chapter 2, verse 8. Look what he says. He writes in verse 8 of chapter 2. Of Romans, but for those who are self seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. For those who are all about them, for those who insist on their own way, for those who look at the uh, righteousness of God and say, you know what, I see that, I even understand that, but you know what, I'm going another way. There's going to be wrath and fury for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth. Verse 5 helps us to see that God's wrath is a righteous judgment. It's right for God to be wrathful against the suppression of truth. Look what it says in verse 5. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. How's it going to reveal that wrath? Anybody getting uncomfortable yet? Talking about all this wrath? Talking about the righteousness of God and the wrath of God? And how if you're self-seeking, any self-seeking people in here? The word's also contentious. Any contentious people in here? Any people in here disobey the living God? Notice nobody's raising your hand, but I will remind you that there are no righteous people in this place right now. Lots of believers. Not one of us righteous. God's wrath is righteous judgment. He is righteous. Only He is right. He is the standard of right. 
and that which is right. You may notice that there's a quote going on in verse 17. The righteous shall live by faith. Remember what I said that this phrase means when it's talking about the righteousness of God is revealed from faith into faith. It's faith from first to last. The only means of acquiring and knowing the righteousness of God is by faith. Paul borrows that and quotes that from Habakkuk. uh, And he is letting us know there uh, that the right, if you've ever read Habakkuk, Habakkuk is one of my favorite Old Testament books. And right up front, Habakkuk is asking God, What are you doing? Man, are you asleep? Do you see all the sinfulness and all the chaos and all the, uh, the disobedience and all the suppression of truth? Lord, don't you, are you going to do anything? I mean, Habakkuk's kind of really giving it to God there, you know? God said, I, I am doing something. I'm raising up a people. They're called the Chaldeans. Y'all are going to call them mostly Babylonians. They're going to judge my people. What was on Habakkuk's mind is that uh, the potential uh, in his mind uh, that, uh, that God is somehow not just by not immediately judging the sin of the people. Habakkuk later in, later in chapter 1 inquires of God again. He's kind of like, how are you going to ever restore this? And it's in that where God says, the just shall live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. God's basically saying, Habakkuk, you have to believe me. I'm taking care of it. I'm raising up a people to judge this generation. They're going to be taken into exile. But I'm also raising up one to whom all of our attention needs to, all of your attention needs to be put toward. And salvation will be by faith all by itself. That's a Big generalization of Habakkuk, by the way. But that's what's going on there. I'm raising up a redeemer to save those who believe. One thing that we take from this is we need to understand that salvation has always been by faith. Paul's going to make that argument. Remember what I said. He is leading into what he's about to spend the next five chapters, actually four chapters up through five, and then he's going to talk about it some more up until chapter eight. And he's going to, what's he going to be talking about? Justification by faith alone. He's going to be talking about more of that. All the implications of that, giving us illustrations of it. 
But we need to see here that because of the wrath of God, it's vital, essential that we know the righteousness of God. Because the righteousness of God reveals to us that we don't measure up. And because we don't measure up, because we are sinners, because we suppress the truth, because we are unrighteous, We deserve the wrath of God. The tendency of our day is that God is love. And that's about the end of our understanding of the attributes of God. God is love. Well, yes, indeed he is. But Paul's not talking about that here, is he? He's talking about the wrath of God. And I want you to know the wrath of God actually puts on display the love of God. Because he does love himself and he does love righteousness. Tendency of our day is that God is love and that he is not mad at you. There's a church here that has a sign that says God is not mad at you. God is furious with you. The wrath of God has been revealed against all unrighteousness. The wrath of God. He is furious with mankind. What kind of lie has to be told apart from the Word of God to tell people the untruth that God is not angry with you? Look at Romans chapter 2. I'm sorry. Romans chapter 5. No. Let's just stay where we are. Romans chapter 2 verse 5. If y'all saw my notes, you know why that happened. Because of your hard and impenitent heart, You are storing up wrath for yourself. Not only is God angry with you, but we consistently store up more and more wrath. We consistently do things that do not align with Justification by faith. We don't believe God. That's what it always boils down to, by the way. Here's my son. Believe in my son. We don't believe in his son. What does that mean? We don't believe God. You're no better than Adam in the garden when he disbelieved God. 
When the serpent said to Eve, did he really say this? Well, you know, he said this. And she believed Satan over God. But why is it essential the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel? Because the gospel is the power of God to rescue us from the wrath of God. The gospel delivers this message that God saves sinners from God. God saves sinners from Himself. He rescues sinners from His own wrath. It's all we deserve. Right? Getting a little loud. A little bit excited. I don't have any pills to help me not do that. So. I, I think it's so important for us to see this because I think the world doesn't hear the gospel that says God is wrathful. He does love you. How do you know? Paul answers it here in the same book. God demonstrates His love in this way. And while we were still sinners, what did He do? Christ died for us. It's essential that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Because the righteousness of God reveals to us how ungodly we are. Since he's the standard of right. Which takes me to the next point. It's essential that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel because of our unrighteousness. Hey, I don't mind repeating myself, and I tend to do that. But there's not a righteous person in this room. You say, well, God says I'm righteous. God declared you righteous. You remember what you did yesterday? How unrighteous was that? Some people are going, does he know? No, I don't have to know. I know my heart. I know my mind. I know how we are. I know that the Word of God, not only do I know this by experience, but I know that the Word of God says there's nobody righteous. Not even one. You've been declared righteous by God, and that declaration ought to have an effect on how you live righteously. But we still fall short of the glory of God. Yes? 
in our thinking, in our actions, right? Because of our unrighteousness, we're unrighteous. We suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness consistently. We do it. We do it by committing sin in our lies, in our lust. Right? And we do it in our omitting what we ought to do. Like evangelism. Or having some semblance of a prayer life. We are sinners through and through. Isn't that right? I mean, do y'all realize that we are... When you think about it, I mean, one... At first, we're babes in Christ. And we're just learning, you know, we're just kind of stumbling along. And then we grow up. You know how you grew up, you started running, you know? You're able to take off and just run. I mean, when you're a kid, you're, you know, you're unbalanced and you can't really do anything. But then you start running. And, and then, then, as you continue to grow up, and you hit pre-adolescence or adolescence, everything kind of starts growing really fast, you know? I mean, your arms, and you start getting lanky, your legs and stuff like that. Do y'all remember when you were about 12, 13 years old, and you tripped over air? Y'all ever, ever do that? And you just kind of do a face plant, you know, over nothing. I mean, there's nothing there. Your own smooth surface, and boop. There you go. You hit the ground. Why? Well, your foot grew an eighth of an inch between the step forward and the follow through. And you grabbed your toe on the clean floor that had nothing on it. And boom, just like that. I want you to know the Christian life is us stumbling through all the time. Some of you have been Christians for over 50 years and you still find yourself stumbling. Don't you? There's nobody righteous. And God demands righteousness from us. Anybody? I got none to offer. I am bankrupt of my own righteousness. You? Anybody? Anybody got a stash of righteousness somewhere? That God will go, hey, I like that. No. None of us. Not one of us. Look with me at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Right after, in Romans chapter 3, he points out that nobody is righteous. In verse 19, he says this, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law 
so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Nobody will be justified by doing what is right. No one. The law certainly represents the character of God. The law certainly puts forward the rightness of God, what is right. And I want you today to try... No, don't do it. I'm not going to give you that instruction. Go ahead and try to obey the law. You won't do it. You won't do it in mind. You won't do it in absolutely just doing... We won't do it. The thing is, we'll sin and we won't even know we sinned. That's how unrighteous we are. Here's what the law says. You can't do it. Nobody can be saved by the works of the law. Not because the law is not righteous and good and right and true. But because nobody can do it. Salvation has never been by doing what is right. Ever. God demands righteousness from us. We don't have any. So the righteousness he demands is not that which is acquired by keeping the law, but it's his righteousness that he supplies. The gospel is the power of God. It's salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first, also to the Greek for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. That righteousness that saves. God's righteousness. His righteousness saves. His righteousness is only righteousness that he'll accept. The gospel is the power of God into salvation because in it, God supplies what we need to obtain it. Isn't that great? God supplies it. God gives his righteousness. Look, my righteousness. Oh, man. I don't measure up. Exactly. So, Lord, how, how can I get there then if I can't, if I can't obtain that? You receive it as a free gift from me. <laughs> Great. I mean, nothing. I'm not going to charge you anything. It's already paid for. Remember the love that you want to apply to me and leave off all my other attributes? That love is seen on the cross of my son where he died and he was buried and he rose 
He's overcome sin. He's overcome death. Do you believe me? That's it. Do you believe me? God asked. Well, Rick, uh, I see what you're saying, but don't they really need to understand the doctrine of justification by faith a little more, more detail than that? Do you believe God? That's it. Do you believe Him when He says, Here's my Son, if you will trust in Him, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Period. That's it. Isn't <laughs> great? Come on, smile. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. I got nothing. I got no righteousness. I got sin. I can bring sin. Lord, it's all I got. I mean, here's my wallet. No, my wallet's down there. Don't come get my wallet, okay? I don't have anything. I got nothing. It's a gift. Free one. Why? Because God will only accept His righteousness. Y'all still in Romans 3? Everybody's kind of like, Rick, I have no idea where we are right now. Romans 3. He said, by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Verse 21, but now, what is it? The righteousness of God. What he was talking about in verse 17. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what they bear witness to. They bear witness to Messiah. They bear witness to Jesus Christ. They bear witness to salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Righteousness of God has been manifested. It's been revealed. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That's it. And what happens? When we hear the gospel that we're sinners that we have no righteousness of our own, that we bring nothing to the, to, 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 to the king of kings except for sin. When that's true and that's all we have to bring, we say, Lord, I do believe you. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he is in God incarnate. I believe he lived a perfect sinless life as a man here on this earth. I believe he was unjustly murdered, nailed to a cross. So that the one who deserved that penalty, because of their sin, could be set free. I do believe that he 
was buried, and that he rose again. I do believe that. What happens then? Didn't we sing it this morning? He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. Hallelujah! How? Because I decided not to sin anymore? No! Because you decided to believe. God. How wonderful. One word, it's called justified. He justifies us. He justifies us. He declares us righteous. Justification. Let me give you two aspects of that. Number one, we have no penalty to pay for our sin. <laughs> Said earlier, you know what? In your disobedience, you're storing up wrath. You're building up a nest egg of sin that deserves the wrath of God. And when He justifies us through faith alone, when He justifies us through faith alone, He removes the penalty that we owe Him. Mine was big. Yours? I mean, mine was huge. It's a good thing that he's eternal God because it takes an eternal depository to put all the wrath that I deserved in. Right? I mean, this includes all the past, present, and future sins of my life. In your life, if you've been justified, isn't that great? All my past sins, all my present sins, and all the ones I hadn't done yet. Rick, that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> Salvation's not fair. Salvation's gracious. Salvation is merciful. Salvation is not fair. You don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve salvation. It's not fair. <laughs> Hallelujah. He gives us what isn't fair. Isn't that good? Yes. It's good. He sets the prisoner free, it says in the hymn. Paul, after discussing salvation by faith alone, chapters 4 and 5, he states in chapter 8 of Romans, chapter, chapter 8, verse 1, y'all could probably quote it, but let me say it because I have the microphone. There is therefore now what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, no judgment, no penalty. Nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting a little giddy. Nothing. 
You don't even have to spend a millisecond. In paying for your sin. It's done. Justification. No penalty to pay for our sin. Wash clean. Go on. But when you think about it, all you are now before God is neutral. There's no sin. Gone. That's one part, one aspect of justification. It's gone. Isn't that great? But you're just neutral. If you stay neutral, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go back to sin. So the second aspect is that God imputes the righteousness of Christ into us. Okay? Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. By his obedience, many will be made righteous. Wonderful news. Not only does he take away the sin, the penalty of that sin, I have nothing to pay, but he also doesn't leave me in neutral. Puts me in drive, right? He imputes the righteousness of Christ into our life. And now our pursuit is what? I won't be like him. I, I, got, I got a new desire. I want to be like him. I want to love him. I want to obey him. The righteousness of God has been revealed. Why is that? Because the wrath of God is very prevalent. And what we need desperately is we need the righteousness of God because one day we're going to stand before Him. And if we try to present our own righteousness, that's going to be wrath. Described in Revelation 6 as people hiding in caves and pleading for the mountain to fall on them. But through faith in Jesus alone, you can be saved from the wrath of God. You can be saved from the wrath of God. Verse 9 of chapter 5. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Oh, my prayer is that you have been saved from the wrath of God. That you have found yourself before God justified. Not with the righteousness of your own but the righteousness of Jesus Christ applied to you. And only, by only that, you're saved.
Father, help us to understand. Help us to grasp. Help us to consider. Help us to think upon our understanding of the gospel. Father, help us, Lord, to cease striving in works for salvation. But to strive in those things because they are a pleasure to you. And we find in them hope and pleasure in our life to be pleasing to you. And how is it that we please you except by faith? And so, Lord, help us to trust you for salvation by faith alone and to live out our lives by faith in you, come what may. Father, that we would seek always to be pleasing to you, that we would seek always to be like Jesus. Until the day when he is revealed, until the day and he comes, until the day that we're made like him, let us pursue that reality. In Jesus' name, amen.